You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. This is Debbie and I'm here with Christy. So what are we starting off with today, Christy? So the Lord provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside, right? I find it so refreshing, for lack of a better word, how people love the rain and how it has almost restored and refreshed so many people. Have you noticed how people are in... How it can so, be so hot and just a little bit of a rain shower. And it's funny your brain is Not up. a breeze, but like a rain shower. Especially, I feel like, when the earth makes noise. Whether it's thunder yeah. or wind or... Yeah. So, um, it's funny you bring this up because this past summer, our, fam- our family loves Colorado. It's like our second mm-hmm. state, we call it. We go up there. We are mountain people. I am a mountain person. Just being in the, you know... In the mountains by the trees mm. and the flowers mm-hmm. and the ground. And um, Colorado had gotten some where we were, had gotten some rain. Mm. And it just, it felt like that. It was just a refreshing. Yes. And it rained almost every day we were there. Because in Colorado, in the mountains, in the summer, a lot of times they get these afternoon showers. Kind of like Florida mm-hmm. gets, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but it, what it reminds me of a lot of times for us, it's for me. It's refreshing. It's rejuvenating. You come rejuvenating. Back that's the word. I was refreshed. Yeah. But God does tell us there's a purpose to man's connection to the to the earth, and mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes we forget that. Mm-hmm. So part of the release of going from like, oh my gosh, this is oppressive. This is a is because we're connected mm-hmm. to the environment around us. That's the way God made us. And when we don't steward it well, we don't take care of it well. We don't care about it. There's repercussions for that. And mm-hmm. um, I just feel like, again, that's whether it's heat, whether it's a life-giving rain, whether it's the sun, whether it's the snow, whether it's the water. Ice. Oh, ice. Mm-hmm. All of it has a purpose, and God made it to work with us and for us to share in the delight of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think what you just said is just another good reminder. Um, and I think it's a good thing to teach our kids. We talk about it all the time. Just mm taking care when we go up and hide like we went up into the mountains this past time and I like fell because I was being stupid freaked my kids out but <laughs> tell them how what you were doing Debbie. oh I know the thing that Come Jamie's on. like people die from this yeah my my we were okay. the only ones on the top of this mountain um in the middle of nowhere and so my husband's very like conscious right and so he's like okay we need to be making noise because there's black bears everywhere in Colorado and so they need to hear us coming so we don't startle them, whatever. So we were making noise. Well, my girls decided to sing Hamilton. They know, like, all the words. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm in front of them. So I put my phone up, and, I remember, and I'm taking this, like, video selfie. As we're walking down this mountain that's, like, steep on one side, like, and it's mm-hmm. slippery because it had been raining. <laughs> I'm, like, taking it. Well, I fall hard. And you I have it on video, right? And I have it on video. <laughs> so great. <laughs> and I'm just and of course my girl bella's like mom mom are you okay and alexa mom and joel's like laughing he's just laughing his head 
I was like, such a boy. <laughs> He's like, it's a nervous laugh, mom. I was like, right, whatever. Mm-hmm. You were and that's probably what we dwell on. Why are you laughing at me? Not like, thank you, daughters, for tending to me. Oh, no, I said that too. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. Um, but, it w- you know, anyway, that's what I was doing. And then, of course, Jane, my husband's like, this is how people die. Yeah. They're taking selfies and they fall off the side mm-hmm. of a mountain. Of course, what did I do? They kept singing and I kept taking a video. Good for after you. I got- that's right. That's what we do. We keep on going. Well, I like this Bible verse that kind of ties it back. Acts 14, 17. It says, he has shown kindness by giving mm-hmm. you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Yes. Like we just need to when know When I think of goodness. just the forethought of God, the creator, to create the earth to to work that way like just going he in his sovereignty his mm-hmm. forethoughtness he's going i'm gonna have the the earth work like this like yeah. rain is gonna come when and and the systems work together this and you guys are gonna be able to figure it out but at the same time you're not gonna know how and or why i did it that way it just it works you gotta trust me and but i feel like sometimes we forget that Totally. All and God created it all to work this way in his sovereignty. And that's what you remind us of, right? Yeah. Is the amazing wonder of his creation. Yeah. I just don't know that we always think of it that way. No, not at all. (laughs) And we're studying the revelation and kind of got a jump start. And you don't see rain in there at all. Like you see fire, you see mm. hail, you see stars, You're you see, see growing pains in the earth. Yeah. I guess. and I think if I recall, you see the prophets that can shut up the rain while they're prophesying. Mm-hmm. So he's actually holding back, like in front of the gates. Yeah, and I'm. Which I don't think it's that far. About? It's been a while since I've done no, a Revelation it's more study. Like Reve- it's in it. It's like Revelation twelve or ten okay. or nine. Okay, the two prophets come in and they have the ability to. Shut yeah. up the sky yeah. and not do it while they're prophesying. Aren't they at the front of Israel? Aren't they at the gates? Yeah, right well, in the book of Revelation, they're like middle. So okay. that's where I'm actually doing okay. it, thinking like, where is it in the book of the oh, Bible? Okay. But okay. they're able to. And I thought, oh, yeah, he yeah. doesn't even give you rain. Thankfully, the church, in my mm-hmm. opinion, let me preface that, in my opinion, the church is raptured. So we don't have to experience that. But it doesn't talk about. So are you pre, like even pre the first, you're pre all seven years. You're thinking oh, we totally. go up before even the three and a half years of yes. amazing. But you're I've changed trip. my thoughts. I okay. used to be mid. Okay. But I'm totally pre. Growing up, when I was growing up and everybody was talking about the left behind, that was on everybody's mind. Right? Yes, it's it was. pre, mid, or post trip yeah. or whichever one yeah. you are. Everyone I knew was mid. Same so here. I think we're going to enjoy the three and a half and then we're going before the awfulness. Yeah. I've never totally understood. What are you? I and it's okay to say you're still struggling or working through and that's what I'm gonna say yeah because I guess my thing is I feel like again God's sovereignty I don't know that he's made it clear I think that's why everybody still argues about it I I think we can all fall down this is what I think but I don't know that any of us know yeah what got me is when um, a professor said how do you view God that was his question to me and I said God's a loving God God's a good God. And I went through all my things on how, how I view God. He goes, do you think that same God would allow you to go through anything that we're reading right now? And I went, oh, done. Because at one point I viewed God as he's going to test me. He's going to make sure I do believe. He's going to refine me. He's going to do all these things. And that's where my uh, mid-trib was. Came in. Yeah, because I'm thinking, oh, well, yeah, we're going to have to go through three and a half years of this horribleness to see who's the real Christian and who's not. And I thought but the that, first three and a half years is supposed to be amazing in prosperity. Yeah, but that's still, I mean, right? Like, yes. You can see the ugliness coming. Yes, but. and it's still not going to be fabulous for Christians on earth. It's mm-hmm. not like happy-go-lucky for us. 
But I thought the way he was able to turn it on, how do you view God? And I went, oh, that's how I view God. Yep. I view God as a judgmental God. I view God as this type of God that wants to make sure that makes sure I'm a good Christian. Well, you know what? The guy that died next to Jesus, all he had to do was believe. He didn't have to go back through everything. In that moment, you'll be with me in paradise. But this is still the same God that that allowed disciples to be crucified and his yes. son to be killed on our behalf in a horrific way. Yes. So what I would say is loving God, but also a God that understands the toils of the earth and yes. knows that some of us will face those challenges, some of us won't. And yeah. I think coming to terms with the fact in my own mind over a while that I've had to go, we just don't know who that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And every day just trying to do the right thing and make the right decision and just taking whatever comes. Mm, but no hope. I don't hear hope in your voice. Oh, my hope is the fact that no matter what comes, I'm in eternity with the Lord, oh. period. So I can do the right thing this day and then yeah. tomorrow, whatever comes, comes. Yeah. See, my I don't hope have to is worry like, about Jesus it. is coming and I'm not experiencing it. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> That's I just don't hope. know that that's true. <laughs> it's and I have a hope to know yeah. if it's true. I, I don't know if hope. it's true or not. Like, I, that's yeah. a great hope to have, Christy. And you have fun. And I will. I'm going to have fun with my <laughs> hope. You have fun with your hope. And we'll be fine. Because we'll both be in heaven at some point together. That is, I, I So at the end of the day, that's all that matters. That. I absolutely believe But that. I think it is interesting to, to walk through that. And then see the rain part. And how it does refresh. And gives us joy. It literally gives people joy well, no as they're walking. Well, no matter who you are or where you fall, you're going to enjoy the rain. Yes. At least the results of the ring. The life-giving part of the ring. A hundred percent. The life-giving part. Introduce Speaking of life mm-hmm. and people that give us life, we get to introduce Larry Megason, who is our senior, I want to say senior adult pastor, as well as pastoral care pastor, minister. Um, and he's joining us today, and we're happy to have you. Hello, Larry. Hello. Good to be here. You, you, you have your Diet Coke. You have your notebook and your pen. I do. You're ready. Whatever you bring. You were, you were taking notes while you we were talking. I want to know, did we sound just absolutely intelligent? Wait, that could full be his of knowledge? to-do list. No, I saw him writing. But it could be his to-do oh, list. Oh, so then you weren't <laughs> writing about what we were saying. You were writing about random stuff. I have to, I have to buy Cheerios on the way home. Is that your and, grocery list? <laughs> no, I was really writing down what y'all were saying. It's, it was an interesting uh, topic <laughs> that you had. An interesting squirrel chasing, bit of squirrel chasing we did. And I was being facetious, by the way. I don't necessarily think we sounded very intelligent, but we were having fun. Well, one of the things that you said that I really, uh, I, I, I've, I've been on all my all of my Christian life, and that is that the things that we hear around us, you, in fact, your words were, when the earth makes noise, and you think of thunder, and you think of the oceans, and the wind, roaring. And, yeah. I mean, God does all that for his pleasure. Mm. That is worship to him. And it's like an orchestra of sounds that we just go, oh, it's the trees, the leaves are moving. No, it's the t- they're clapping their hands on his behalf. So I have a great conversation. It was wonderful. Thanks for doing that. Oh, you're I'm welcome. Up. Well, I'm glad that we so could smart. help get you hyped up. Mm-hmm. Oh, he That's pointed good. to Christy when he said so smart. No, he said way. thumbs up. He said thumbs up. All good. Y'all are good. Oh, I was okay. actually being funny. I, was, I don't <laughs> Now let's talk about the remnant. No, oh, my word. <laughs> It's okay. We're good. <laughs> it's good. Not like prepared that. for the depth of that conversation. Uh, but we were. We wanted Larry to share. He has been in ministry for a while. Since dirt. Yep. For a little while. And um, has a lot to offer our staff in a lot of different ways. We love having him. 
So tell us the beginnings of where Larry Megason grew up. Where did you grow up? Where did you start? Do you remember? (laughs) Some of it's pretty vivid. Um, I started off in the top dresser drawer where my mom would keep me as a little baby. And she would, I was just hoping she'd open the drawer again and take, make sure I was out. But um, my dad was in Korea. My mom was uh, in East Texas. I was born in Bossier City. And uh, pretty much that, that's how it all began. And you and your brother, two of you? I have a brother who was three and a half years older than me and a sister two and a half years older than me. Okay. So you're the yeah. baby of the family. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to carry my baby around in a diaper, what do you, a chain... What, dirty clothes hamper? You're talking about your baby, like yeah. your little si- sibling, no, like your little gentry. sister? Gentry. To, yeah. Oh. I'd be like, just kidding. Your real my, baby. Yeah, my, my, <laughs> my real baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's I like that idea. If I would have known that, maybe I would have thought mm-hmm. about a little thing. Yeah. <laughs> Save money on a baby. Crib. Well, I really okay. think, you know, the, the truth is mom was living with her mom in Longview and and it was very, very poor time. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's, that's pretty much all they had. So. At least I got the top drawer. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah necessity so. is just, you invent all kinds of things. Out so of necessity, did, don't you? You do. How did you get out of Longview? Dad uh, was, um, when he came back from the Korean War, he was stationed uh, in San Diego, oh. which I didn't know how beautiful San Diego was. I didn't know what was going on in the world. And then we went from there to Hawaii, and uh, I didn't know much there either, so... That's kind of how I escaped that. Uh, but we came back, and uh, Dad you know, had a career in the Navy of 21 years and lived all over the place, and it was very good. Dad, um, we ended up in Peabody, Massachusetts for Dad's last, last tour of duty. And then uh, when that was done, they wanted to come back to East Texas. Dad's family was from Henderson. Mom's family was from Longview. And so we settled in Tyler, and uh, it was great. I did not know the Lord at the time, and uh, but came to know him pretty quick. Tell so us how, the, yeah, yeah. Tell us that story. Well, when we lived in Peabody, uh, I went to a Halloween party at a church. West Wait, Peabody's Con- Massachusetts. Mass- Peabody, Massachusetts. Okay, yeah. sorry. Peabody, you would say Peabody. I did, say I'm struggling over here going Peabody. <laughs> that sounds weird. And I'm we, impressed uh, you picked that up and mm-hmm. yeah, pe- everything. Peabody. I'm like, is that Peabody in Texas language? It is. It, it is. is. Peabody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like never mind. I'll come back to that. <laughs> we was we were I was invited to a Halloween party at West Con- Congregational Church in Peabody, and I went. And it I've never I had never been to a church like this. We'd been to church three times in my life before that, so I um, had a great time. And someone at the party said, "Why don't you come to church on Sunday?" I said, "I would like to do that." So uh, I asked mom, and because uh, dad was out to sea, and I said, would you, would you take me to church? And she said, no. And I said, well, it's just it's about two miles from here. She said, if you want to go to church, you can walk to church. I said, okay. So, so you walked. Walked to church. Wow. Uh, even, and this sounds like an old story, but uh, even in the winter, up and down the hills and all the stuff. In the snow. In the snow. Barefoot. Uh, no, I did. was well, not barefoot. but oh, good. Uh, but it was worth it. And uh, I remember the first probably two and a half months sitting in, in the pews listening to uh, Pastor Lowell, I believe was his name. How Didn't, old are you to remember that pastor's name? 
how old am I now? No, or was how I then? old were you then? <laughs> uh, when I first met him, I guess uh, 12, 13, Oh, okay, right yes. There. I was like, that's an amazing I don't memory. remember a lot of people, those names when I was 12, 13. I think you just have a really good memory. Um, well, it was a good experience. It yeah. really was. But I was there maybe two and a half months, and this girl that I was going to school with, um, she came over and she said, would you like to sit with me and my family? And I thought what most guys would think, sure would. <laughs> I'll come on over. So we sat with her, and it was just its a great family to know. And uh, it, uh, it never really went beyond that, I thought, you know, until one day the dad came over and he said, would you like to come to our house and have lunch after church? I said, yes, sir, I would. And so we went there, and over the course of several months, he would share the gospel with me. In December of 1968, before we moved to Texas, uh, the pastor uh, shared this uh, sermon. I really didn't understand it that much. But at the end of it, he said, if you want someone to pray for you, come forward. And so I went forward, and I got on my knees like everybody else, and the pastor said a prayer, and we were dismissed. I had no idea what was going on, totally clueless. And then we left the, probably the next week and moved to Tyler. And I didn't even think about church when I came to Tyler. I had no idea what to think about church. Uh, my brother went to church one time at First Baptist Church in Tyler, and he came home and said, uh, uh, well, church was church. Um, I didn't know anything about it, but I said, I'll go. So the next week, I went to First Baptist Church, and I was listening to Dr. Schamberger, um, who's, in, who's in heaven, Bill Schamberger. And he preached uh, just an interesting message to me. It was very familiar. I left, and I went home, and that week— Dr. Schamberger came to see my mom and dad, and I'm sitting on some stairs in my house while he was in the living room telling my mom and dad the gospel. Hmm. And mom and dad were going, oh, we already know that. We understand that. No, thank you. We really don't want to go to church. We don't, we're not church people. Blah, 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 blah. But I heard the whole story. Hmm. And the next week, I went back. And sat as far as way as I could, way up in the balcony. I didn't know a soul. Dr. Schamberger got up and preached a message that sounded a whole lot like what he said at my house. So I didn't know what I was doing, but I got up and I walked all the way down to the front. And I walked up to Dr. Schamberger. Told him I didn't know exactly what he said, but I wanted to know more. And uh, we met in his office for several weeks. And one day he said, is, is this something you would like to, to do? Would you like to ask Christ into your heart? I said, I would, but I, I want more. He said, there will be more. So I, I came to Christ when I was um, 15 years old. Maybe it may have been 14, but 15 and immediately got involved with the student ministry there, which they didn't call it then. It was just a youth group. Youth group, group yeah. And uh, the youth director was a guy named Wendell Newman. Now, Wendell 
I just thought he hung the moon. I mean, because I mean, it was we were always doing something that had meaning to it. Not that I knew what that necessarily meant at the time. I went on a mission trip with Wendell uh, down to the valley, and in the process of being down in the valley, uh, just had a phenomenal. I mean, it was just a great experience. And I'm sitting in my hotel back by myself. And I'm just, I, I'm just getting these senses in my heart, you know, what something's going on. I really understand. So I asked Wendell to come talk to me. I explained it all to him, and he said, "Well, only you know." But he said to me, "It sounds like the Lord may be talking to you about full-time ministry." I said, "What does that mean?" He said, "Well." you'll be doing things like I'm doing. He, I said, I can do that. <laughs> he said, sure. And I was involved in the church choir and all this stuff. I mean, was the whole nine yards. But I came back and I shared with our church that I, that I believed God was calling me in the full-time ministry. And uh, never looked back. That was it. That was it. How old were you when you made that decision about full-time ministry? Uh, 16. You were 16, so like a year, a year later. later. Yes. Okay, and then ever since then, never turned around. So then you graduated high school. Where'd you go to college? Great question. Went to Tyler Junior College first because okay. mom and dad had sent uh, my brother to school, and and that didn't work out real well. So so they wanted to keep you closer to home, just well, in case. Mm, didn't work out in what and like in what sense? Oh, he he blew he through the money. Yeah, yeah. And he and he didn't go to go didn't to class school. and those kind of things. Here, here's something that I'll just make a short statement about. Uh, we can talk about it some other time if you'd like to, but I was, I was not, it was not, I was not the family kid. I like that, the story that you share. Um, he, I was, I was called by my mom, literally the white sheep of the family. And she meant that not too kindly that I was the Christian in the family and nobody else. I didn't think anybody else was a Christian, which is not completely true. Um, so in, in that light, in fact, when I was 12 years old, um, we lived in Peabody, I announced to my family that I was going to take care of myself, which they kind of laughed about and said, sure, you are, go ahead. And I did. I began, I got my own job, got saving money, took care of a lot of my own needs, bought my own clothes, did the walk to the church. I mean, mm-hmm. just the independence that God built in me without without me even really knowing it uh, began to surface when I was 12 years old. And at that this time in my life, it was pretty much I, I, that I, I just didn't have a lot of things to do with my family yeah so so then you go to um a local school a local college did you stay at home or did you move out um uh, yes i stayed at home but it was uh, it was kind of an apartment area in our house that so then was that a four so um was that a four-year school because you went to seminary eventually tjc tyler junior college and uh left there to go bill schamberger called me one day and said uh, we want to give you a full scholarship to East Texas Baptist University. Oh, that's cool. I said, sounds great. Yeah. And uh, I took them up on that. But there, it's, there's something interesting before that, if I can share yeah. that. Um, the Baptist Student Ministry building on Tyler Junior College campus, we had a fantastic ministry there. It was great. 
Don Mize was the director and just loved the students. But there was a prayer room in that building, which it was tiny. Not that you need a big room. But I would spend tons of time in the prayer room. I loved that little room. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do in my life. I didn't know what ministry looked like. I didn't know full-time ministry, all that kind of, But I said, Lord, I, don't, I really don't know what you want me to do. And I was majoring in uh, speech and uh, debate and theater, those kinds of things, and, and uh, just going along. And, but I, I didn't think that was the right thing. And I just kept asking the Lord, please, please, you know, tell me, please. And one day... I felt as strong as I'd ever felt about anything. The Lord said, I want you to go into music ministry. And Do you play I, an instrument at this point? Uh, I so kind of played guitar. Okay. That was it. Um, so I, I said, Lord, with all due respect, I think you're wrong. So let's talk about this. So for about six weeks, he and I would talk, and I would yell, and he would quietly speak back and so finally i just surrendered and said okay you gotta understand i didn't know anything about music nothing at all i went into don mize's office and i said don this is what i believe god has has given me clarity on and don got up and gave me a big old hug and said you know that's way to go you'll be great and all this kind of stuff Right after that, a friend of mine walked in, and I'd called his name, but he will probably hear this podcast, and he lives not too far from here. And he said, he walked through the door. Now, get this guy was born with, when he came out of the womb, there was a piano in one hand, a <laughs> trumpet in another hand. I mean, the guy was golden in music. He could do anything. And uh, I told him what I had experienced, and he literally fell on the floor laughing. And he said, you'll never make it because you don't have what it takes. And I remember looking at him saying, I don't have to have what it takes. I know who has what it takes. Oh, that's good. So, so the rest. And you're still friends. We're still very good friends. <laughs> and that's how it's done, people. It is. Words like harsh words like that can motivate you. And give you clarity. But sometimes they can cut your feet up. Well, you and do. what they don't have to do all the time is end a friendship. Yeah. No, no, I mean, words don't have to end a friendship. That's true. Um, okay, so you get this, your music ministry, right? And then where do you go to school for that? Oh, like, what do you do? my goodness. Well, I went to East Texas Baptist went Because you got a scholarship. And started at, I, I didn't ground start. Ground zero. No, no, no. I wish it was ground zero. You were zero. negative something. I was negative. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't had vocal lessons. I hadn't had piano lessons. I hadn't had anything. So I didn't know anything. Yeah. My first piano lesson was was still at Tyler Junior College. I went in, and the guy said, the teacher said, with great respect, play me a scale. I went, I'd be glad to if you'd tell me what that is. What a scale is. I'd be glad <laughs> to play you a scale. He would say, can you show on, me what a scale is? Keep going. That's exactly what he said. he said. He said, just give me a C scale. I said, I don't know what that is. Show he me said, what C is. middle C. And I, so I went, it's got to be near here. Yeah. yeah. And he, Did you pick he right? was so angry. And wow. he said, you are wasting my time. You need to leave. And Aww. I said, no, I'm really, I don't know anything. I want to know something. He said, I'm a professional. You're not. Yeah. Get so that's people. kind of the way the education piece started. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so but then you, I mean, you eventually pick up from that, though. Yes. You start me because 
knowing you now, I know you play the piano I very well. Do my best. And you have an amazing voice. You're very mm-hmm. kind. You have a great voice. Um, so things progress at some point. And mm-hmm. at some point, the music part picks up. Mm-hmm. You graduate from there with a degree in what? I did not graduate from there. Okay, so you didn't graduate so I was, from there. I was, <laughs> I was there three semesters and uh, just the best friend in the world, Ken Brumley, who was on staff at Green Acres and, and Tyler for 30 years, I think. He, Ken just continued to push and say, do this, work this, because he was a wonderful mu- musician. I felt like I, the Lord wanted me at Baylor. So, and this, this, uh, this, I love telling this story. Uh, I, it was December, finished my third semester. I went to the admin office. I got my, all my paperwork together and all this stuff. And I drove to Waco and I walked into the registrar's office and I handed her all the stuff. And I said, I'd like to come to Baylor. She said, we would love to have you. Thanks. It's great. We'll let you know. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm here. I'm, this is everything, and I want to start next month in January. She goes, that's not going to happen. I said, oh, I, no, it needs to happen. She said, why does it need to happen? I said, because, <laughs> because the Lord wants me at Baylor. She said, you know, I hear that a lot, but you're not coming to Baylor next semester. You'll have to wait. And I said, no, ma'am, I, I, I know what I know. Who do I talk to so that I can come to Baylor? And she said, the only person who you can go talk to is Dean Sternberg of the School of Music. So she, I said, where is it? She pointed me. I went down there, and I walked in, and I met Miss Bishop. Now, Miss Bishop was a redheaded lady of little older age, and she was perfect at her job. You are not getting in to see Dean Sternberg. He doesn't have time for you. You don't have an appointment. No one walks in and sees him. You might as well leave. And I said, is it okay if I sit here and wait? She said, even if he comes in, you can't see him. So I waited about an hour and a half, and sure enough, Dr. Sternberg comes in the door, and she jumps up and gets right between us, mm-hmm. and she's talking to him, and I'm just going, going, um, waving and, your and hands. So around. finally, he goes like this with her and said, Moves her out of the way. Can I ask your name, please? And I told him, and he said, I'm Dr. Sternberg. Would you like to see me? And I said, Yes, sir, it won't take long. Go into his office and tell him the story. And and I was not Baylor material. I promise you, I don't have. I didn't have the grades and have all this stuff. And he looked at me and he said, "I'll tell you what, Larry, I'll let you come next semester, but you have to come to my office once a week, and we're going to go over all your grades, all your tests, all this. We're going to do it all during the whole semester. And if you make less than a B in anything." then you can't come back. I said, deal. Whoa. And wow. That's awesome. It was great. So did you graduate from Baylor? I did. <laughs> there we go. That's so great. I, I was like, what's the end? Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're waiting on pins and needles. How, well, how long did you, awesome. were you at Baylor? So you had three semesters at, at East Texas. Actually, they made me start at the very bottom of oh. music. Oh, at, music. at okay. Baylor. Okay. So I had well, they don't stuff. mess around at Baylor. They really don't. They don't. So then you had, so you had to go meet with him every week that semester. I did. And then after that semester, when you were successful, did you still have to go meet with him? Very successful. Did you ever make below a B? Uh, below a B. At Baylor, I made one C, which was unlike me. 
and elder restaurants and bees what did he say when you made that c do you remember well i wasn't going back to see him at, at that, that point, point he was oh, he, he was, was done. done you yeah. were good you were successful we were you had proved yourself you 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 were shown accountability at a very early age yes that's interesting i'm glad i People were willing to teach me that at an early age. Well, but that's why you're so good at what you do with the pastoral care, because you people come in and need for things, sure. and so you'd start at an early age for you to learn how to do it well, and with kindness and mercy on how to help people get back on back on their feet or not take things for granted. Because you were in that. That makes so much sense. Like so much. I love it. I love it. So love then, it. um. So what is your degree in that you graduate with? I have a, a, a bachelor of music in vocal performance. Wow! And uh, and then I went to seminary. Yeah. And got a, a master's of music in uh, focusing in conducting. So, what was that relationship with with Doctor the Dean of Music? What's his name, Doctor what? Stein, Sternberg. Daniel Sternberg. Some hard names. So I know Sternberg. lots of them, and you remember them all. Um. So, what was that like when you like? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, tell me. I, I, that sounds so interesting to me because he's the dean over our whole department, and you stood out to him in some way. He was a, a large man, and he came to Baylor from Germany, oh. uh, and, and he could play piano like nobody's business. Yeah. And he was, he was such a concert pianist. Did he have an accent? Oh, yes. Oh, Very thick So accent. good. It makes the story so much better. And, uh, in fact, he helped handpick some of my teachers, like my vocal teacher, uh, Mr. Robinson. And, and he, like, had one eye that didn't do this, but the guy could sing the stars down. Yeah. And it was, he just, he was became such a good friend. Well, and what I love about it is people don't always look good on paper. Mm. That doesn't always mean anything. That's right. And I just, we get so wrapped up in these milestones that we want to file on paper and these files of not knowing places and people mm, and what yeah. matters, the interaction. And like you were, you're talking about a time where those kind of relationships still were hugely impactful. So yes. I don't know. There's always somebody in our life that doesn't necessarily, that comes into it that doesn't necessarily look good on paper. But when it comes down to it, we're the ones that God put there, right? Yes. You can so see that their we heart, can help, right? Oh, you get the yes. chance to see your heart. Yeah. And when you're able to show somebody you your know. heart, you see a different side of them. But not only that, he was willing to like Take meet with you time. once a week. Like that's, that's a thinking. lot for a busy man like that. And he's willing to stay with you for the duration, not just say, okay, you're in, let's see what you do. Like he's, but back I in mean, the day, amazing. wasn't that more, more what people did what people did than today because i think that's why we're so shocked of being like well what? that higher up especially like i think now there's tutors and they got all that but for someone with that much mm. but i think clout. it happened more than it didn't back in the day i, I think you're right i mean i no, remember I professors taking me and come back whenever i mean the door was always open yep and they were in their office with the door <laughs> open true. it wasn't like call and make an appointment exactly it was i'm in here come yeah they were at school that yeah. was part of the life and the and yeah. stuff of the school was mm -hmm. they were accessible yeah that's true it's kind of a sad reality that's not as mm -hmm. even though there's smaller schools now i think that that still happens yeah. with but yeah. all these bigger schools it doesn't so seminary which seminary did you go to chuck went to southwestern we're talking about that where'd you go i went to southwestern you went to southwestern so they share too. at Chuck shared with us one of his uh, professors that he loved, which you've talked about him before, um, the one that taught you how to share the gospel. Roy was, Fish. Yes, yes, he brought him up. Wow. Will you tell, uh, well, share that, share how he shared with you to share the gospel. Because well, you told me this. Where were we when we talked about this? 
We were walking. Were we on our retreat? No, this was just like last week. Recently, he was talking about maybe in my office or whatever. But that, that totally to me was a natural way to share share the gospel, and it takes the pressure off. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. What I loved about Doctor Fish, among many things, is that he would tell us family stories. Uh, he would let us know how real he was. He wasn't just a seminary professor, but that what his family was going through and what they experienced. It was. I mean, he was a great guy. To take that and translate into, oh, by the way, I was walking down on whatever street and was sharing the gospel with people. And it, 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 it took me back to guys like D.L. Moody and that they would mm. just walk Chicago and he would just share the gospel with people. And he would come back and people, would, once they asked him, well, did you lead someone to Christ today? And he said, yep, two and a half people. <laughs> and they, and they, they said, well, like, do you mean... Um, like two children, an adult. He said, no, two adults because half their life is already over. Mm. You know, and, you know, but anyway, Roy Fish was <laughs> like that. And he would he would come up with all of these ways for us to just have an entry into conversation. And one that he, that he taught me that I really appreciate and still use is the word form. F-O-R-M. And, uh-huh. Okay. Thank you. And anywhere I am, it's a, it's a great opportunity to talk about family. Everyone mm-hmm. talks about their family. They either don't like them or they love them. They will talk about their family. Most people, particularly men, will talk about their job, their occupation. So they're going to go. We have family, then we have occupation. Well, time out, though. But and, even moms, our occupation, if you're a stay-at-home mom, is taking is, care of your kids. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that. All the time. time. Mm -hmm. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, and then even if you're a working mom, Mm -hmm. you're still talking about your occupation when you're out and about. So that's right. It works both ways. Well, of course. I love Uh, it. And then uh, if you get if you get that far, our religion, especially in our day, people will talk about religion. They either hate it or they're involved in some measure of faith with something or someone. And so we can talk about that. And then the last one is M the message. And so for us to walk through those things and be respectful and kind and all that, to can I share the message with you? And they'll go, sure. Do they and, ever say what message? Sure. I'm okay. sure they do. Yeah. yeah. But at this point, you've gone through family. You've gone through occupation. You've gone through maybe your thoughts on religion. So by the time you get to, hey, can I share this message with you, you've already got this conversation in front of you. A little bit of relationship happening, yeah. 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 And sometimes they'll go, nah, I don't want to hear it. Right. I've heard all the Jesus stuff. And you're like, okay, you're missing out, but okay. Yeah, but thanks for bringing him up. He was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such an easy way to share the gospel, though. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes we overthink it or we we don't feel capable of it, and I think that allows people to do it where they're at in whatever season they're in because it's easy. So thank you for sharing. And it's part of just the rhythm of who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it easy is when it's part of well, that's what you're sharing about just yeah. who you are. You, you know, can share you're it in the not having to memorize some crazy yeah. like anal- you know form, form. besides form. <laughs> form. Just form. Just you form. just got to know form wherever you're at. Form. So then you get finished with seminary, right? And at some point you get married. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, when did you meet wife? Sheila? You just celebrated forty seven years. Uh-huh. Yeah. We should all be so lucky, Larry. It, man, it's been. Uh, it's been great. Every, all marriages have their things, but I could not ask for a sweeter, kinder, Jesus-loving wife. It was fantastic. Aww. But it didn't start out that way. 
I went, while at East Texas Baptist University, I was asked to come visit a church that needed a, a music, minister of music and youth. So I went over there to Valley View Baptist Church in Longview, which is where Sheila grew up. And the pastor was walking me through to introduce myself to everybody. He walked me into the class that had the seniors and college students because Sheila was, uh, she'd finished junior college and was heading to North Texas. And he said, this is Larry. And I went, hey, how y'all doing and all stuff. And then we walked out. Well, she looked at her friend Elaine and said, yuck. And I, so later, he, it was years before she told me that. And I said, what did you mean by that? She said, nobody's that happy. He's that <laughs> joyful. So I thought. And that's <laughs> Sheila's personality, too. Like, that's just how yeah. she's, like, she's just going to be like, really? I'm. Yeah, I'm not that happy. The whole world can't be that happy. Like that. So we didn't. We obviously didn't start dating for any particular reason. But she was getting ready to head north Texas, as I have done. I done all through my ministry. Uh, I would take students out to lunch just to get to know them. And I thought, well, she's going to going to college. I need to get her lunch done. So we go out to lunch. We're sitting there, and she said, um, "Are you dating anybody?" I said, um, "No." She, she said, would you consider dating my friend? <laughs> yeah. And gave me her name. I went, mm, no, I don't think I'll do that. She said, well, why not? I said, well, if I was going to ask somebody out, it would be you. And she said, I have got to go. I, th I thank you for the lunch and all this kind of stuff. And it just, I'm just sitting there going, can't believe I said that, but I think I'm going to pursue it. So I went to see the pastor because as a staff member, I wasn't going to invite myself into the home of one of our church members and ask him to date. Anyway, and I said, Bill, Bill Blankenship. Now, Bill, Mark Blankenship, his son, was a fantastic musician in Southern Baptist life. Bill Blankenship, wonderful pastor. I said, Dr. Bill, I said, um, I want to ask Sheila Bishop out. Uh, on a date and he looked at me across his desk and he said okay just don't let it get serious okay I had, had no plans to get serious so we started dating and I would drive to Denton and she would come home with her parents oh by the way I went and asked her parents the same thing but just had a wonderful dating relationship and one day I went to see Dr. Bell and I said Dr. Bell I just wanted you to know that uh Sheila Bishop and I have come fallen in love with each other and 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 it's serious and it's serious and I want to ask you to if you know if I can if it's okay if I ask her to marry me and he said as long as you don't let it get serious I said <laughs> okay so I went and talked to her mom and dad then went to see Sheila what does he mean by that oh uh, he did, I don't get I it I think he was just trying to he was say being funny life night life night does not need to be that serious oh okay so, so I think it was his message so was, to oh, us okay and okay. I don't know that it's ever been that serious for me but <laughs> she said yes and a year later we married and that's when I was at East Texas and I went to Baylor left her behind uh at North Texas and then she transferred down to to Baylor to be with mm -hmm. me and so then when you went to seminary to Southwestern she went with you there absolutely and then she um what did she do while you were in seminary um she was a substitute school teacher okay because that was her profession now 
I got need to back up one step because there's one guy in my life uh, in the middle of all of this at Baylor and all this. I was uh, had the delight of of serving at Friendly Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, and Sheila and I would drive home from Waco, and I had to work thirty hours from Friday to Sunday night. And at so, this at, at this, this church. church, okay, had a blast. I was the youth music and youth director. Uh, but I was also in charge of the bus ministry. So we had about three buses. We brought in, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a couple hundred kids every Sunday morning. I the loved bus it. ministry to come back. Can it I say was that? fun. I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, and but Milton Gardner was the pastor, and Milton Gardner was an old country boy. And we had a blast. And he would go for the first six months, he went out bus hunting for me we all did all that together when we finished that he'd say okay come on with going to the hospitals and we'd spend the next two hours going to the hospital and just visiting people and he would he would teach me don't sit on the bed when you go into a room if you're going to talk to somebody you you know sit on a chair on the side or stand up guy was he was king of this Mm -hmm. and i learned so much from him Mm -hmm. we were there three years and finished up after i've been going to seminary some and that's when we went to seminary. And my life, ministry life, changed under Milton Gardner mm-hmm. because he's, he planted a seed, a pastoral care seed in me mm-hmm. that I, didn't, I really didn't know was growing. Because there's some stuff, I mean, that's what's cool. There's some stuff you just cannot, it doesn't matter what seminary you go to or how long you learn. Mm-hmm. You can't learn it in books. You can't learn it from, re- you got to learn it by life, right? And yes. ministering to people. There's just some stuff you can't change about that so then i think um we've been talking for a while (laughs) so which is awesome you got lots of fun stuff um but i would love to know because since we can't it's hard to um i mean go through everything but how did you end up here at frisco first baptist how did you end up at this church sheila and i had decided we'd lived in austin in the austin area for 20 years Uh, we had moved to austin to serve at hill country bible church and um I don't know if the mega church thing just didn't didn't fit as well for me, uh, but we're there, you know, a couple of years, and then uh, I went to work elsewhere. Um, but the experiences that we had in Austin at at the the church we were at the longest Cross Point Church is a Presbyterian church, wonderful, warm people. Uh, but the pastor Jerry Rom was my accountability partner to begin with. We had a group of about seven guys, um, but he was the pastor of the church, and the elders of uh, Cross Point came to me and said, because we were attending church there, said, would you consider being our worship pastor? And I said, no, thank you. And uh, <laughs> so they, they waited a couple of weeks, and Jerry and I wanted to go out to lunch, and he'd say, look, you need to take this serious. I said, I'm taking this serious. And they would, they elders came to see me again. And said, "Would you consider being our worship pastor?" And I went, "No, thank you." And so after about a month and a half, two months of this, they said, "Why won't you do this?" And I said, "Well, mainly because of you guys." And they said, "What do you mean?" I said, "You're godly, wonderful men," but I said, "I've already got godly, wonderful men over here, so I really don't need you." telling me how to do the things that I'll do. And they said, we promise, promise you, we will not tell you how to do your job because you know what to do because that's why we're asking you. 
Sheila and I prayed about it. We went on staff. We were there seven years, and it was absolutely the ride of my life. Oh. I mean, we'd been in big churches and not so big churches and great pageants, and we'd lived in Georgia six years and had unbelievable things happen, and so, so good. But this was a sweet, sweet ministry hmm. uh, with these Presbyterians that God had everything in control, and we so didn't So did they try to it. tell you what to do? Oh, the elders, no. <laughs> They never did. Okay. They never did. That's good. And um, and most of them were became very good friends. Because I know that's what's hard. That's a worship pastor's life, right? Is everybody has an opinion about worship? <laughs> oh, Jerry, my my friend and pastor, who's still my best friend uh, in the whole world, lives in Tennessee now, retired. He didn't hold back sharing whatever right? he wanted. So it was, and that was so pretty funny because we would argue because he would know that I got this stuff and. I knew he had that stuff, and he's the pastor. So we always, I always said, yes, sir. Well, yeah, somebody's in charge. Yep. So then was is that where you were when you ended up moving here? Great question. Um, we actually, uh, the that church called, Cross Point called a new mm-hmm. pastor when Jerry, after 19 years, resigned. And uh, the new pastor, after about two and a half, three months, said, you know, I want to bring in my own team. Mm. So all the staff was released. And uh, so I went to find another job, and that job brought me to Dallas, and which is we'd been praying for it. We didn't know how we'd get here, uh, but the job brought us up here. And no, no joke, we were up here for um, maybe three months when the when the phone rang. Sheila and I were still living in a hotel at the time. The phone rang, and they and this my boss came on. And he said. He said, uh, someone from HR wants to talk to you. And I went, oh, okay. And uh, she she came on. She said, um, I'm sorry to tell you that you and 90 of your friends are being let go today. Mm. And I went, okay. Hmm. Thank you very much. And at that point, I had no idea. We had no idea what we were going to do. Uh, but the Lord knew. And we began to moved toward what he wanted us to do we moved her mom and dad up here uh we we knew that he wanted me in ministry and uh, so I, there were two churches that had a post somewhere and i i sent a, a resume to both of them and steve stead called me and said uh, would you like to come up and visit i said sure so they actually i probably shouldn't say that that they actually wanted me to come up for a different job than what I have but after the interview uh, Chuck called and said uh, we we've kind of changed our mind on some things I said that's okay no problem I get it and he said oh no 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 we want you to come for this position instead of this position mm-hmm. and uh, but he said before before we can make a decision you need to meet with this senior adult committee and they want to meet you I said I'd love to meet them and uh that was a great meeting. Hmm. And then we the next week we were asked to come. Okay. That's awesome. And you've been yeah. here now for how long? Five years. Five years. I can't believe that. I know. That's time has flown. So, real quick, kind of we got some lightning round questions, Larry. What is the easiest, best, wonderful thing about ministry? What is it you love? What keeps you going? Uh, that there's always uh somebody who um will make me laugh 
There are people who are hurting, and there are people who are living abundant lives. Mm-hmm. And the best part of ministry is is that it it's always different, yeah. always different. It never stays the same. There's no boring. It's not boring. No boring time. Not at all. All right. The hardest thing. Hardest thing about doing ministry. I would say working with children's pastors, but um, you can say that. Not, Just say well, working real, with children's pastors, except for the one here. Except that's for what the you're one that's here. here. You know, I, the the most difficult thing for me is um, um, I don't know what to call it. Uh, the rules and regulations of stuff we do. We talk about a, the the freedom of the gospel and the freedom of grace. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we get to move in that area. Mm-hmm. I get to move in that area a lot because what I, what I get to do is really touch families in places that where they're at their very worst or at their very best. And when they have a need, God has put me in a place that, that I, I don't have to sit around and necessarily wait for someone to say, okay, yeah. go meet that need. Yeah, you get to go. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So Christy has a list of questions here as we close up that we're going to just some fun questions we're going to do real fast. What is the last show that you binge watched and loved? Shetland. Shetland. S-H-E-T-L-A-N-D, like the ponies? No, it's uh, about um, a, a cop who works at a little tiny island east of of scotland and uh it's his adventures huh. on that island what platform is this on uh amazon prime amazon prime. wow oh, we're learning new, new ones i know okay what is something that people often get wrong about you justifiably most people think that i am uh quiet and uh a little subdued mm. uh, when <laughs> i'm really yeah. not yep so, <clears throat> what so when your- they first meet you they think that well, I act that way. Yeah. I try and to then be they get nice. To know you. you got yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> As though being the opposite is not Isn't nice. It? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. What is your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve? I'm making sure no one's looking in the window. Um, blinkers. People who don't use their blinkers. Oh, that's a good one. Do you get visibly upset with when you're driving a car? I I didn't used to until 380 came into my life. Oh, right. no. Okay, well, then there it's you go. A, That'll upset right. anybody. The noisy narrative is about cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your narrative right now? Fill in the blank. Blank narrative. To the heart of the, to the, heart of the matter? No, like, no it, like instead of noisy narrative, you have a different narrative in your life right now. So put blank in that. Instead of noisy, write something different. Without a lot of um, um, information, uh, all families have things that are, that go on in their families, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes um, there there are the challenges and difficulties that we will face, and uh, and I think that's where mine and Sheila's narrative is right now. Mm-hmm. That we uh, there are things we're praying about that we're asking the Lord about uh, that we really need answers to and so we're trusting him that through other people that we'll we'll find those answers and know what decisions to make so would you say praying narrative trusting challenging 
You gotta pick a word. No, you got you gotta pick a word. I have to pick a word. Child trusting prey. <laughs> that Child, is so he invented smart. a word. <laughs> That's great. There's no rule, so that no, totally applies. There isn't Good a job. rule. <laughs> okay, here we go. You are a ghost at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you? And Jesus. you can't no, you can't say oh. Jesus. You can't say you are a good and faithful servant, and you can't say that you loved Jesus. Because we're assuming all that is true. So something in addition to that. Uh, depending on who's going to say it, some would say he finally <laughs> is in heaven. Oh, because they knew that's where you wanted to be. Mm, that's good. That's good. Okay. Well, thank you, Debbie. You can wrap us up. Well, thank you, Larry. I'll wrap us up. Thank you, Larry, so much for coming to talk to us. We appreciate it. Um, we all know each other pretty well as a staff, but it's funny we're doing these, and I'm still I'm learning new things. Even though we've all worked together for a while, we all know a lot about our testimonies, about our lives. But you always learn new stuff about people. Well, real so, fast. And the sweetest yeah. part, too, is when all, so far, the people that we've had come and talk, when they talk about God in their lives, yeah. they always cry. Yeah. Like, it's like a tender topic, a tender subject, something that is just constantly, he's working in our life. So it's, he pricks our hearts, mm-hmm. which is sweet. So I love to, I don't love to see y'all cry, but I still love to see the emotions that come from For talking sure. about how God is working in your life. And a lot of times it's impacting people we love. When God's working in our mm-hmm. life, it's also impacting He's also working the lives of other people we love, and so that makes us teary. May I say one other thing? Sure, the, just one. I think that for <laughs> me, the journey uh, to where I am today, which I'm, you know, I'm old, is uh, not getting more known or mm. more attention or more of this. It's be- it's really becoming less. And the less for me is defined, and you guys probably know my, my uh, life verse, but it's, it's defined in, in humility, not in that we go, oh, I'm, a, I'm now a humble person, but that we place ourselves under the hand of God, as it says in First Peter 5, so that it's his business, it's his life that we live. Mm-hmm. It's not, not Larry's life. It's not just what I want. And humility allows us to, I think, to, to let God be God in every situation. And he, he will take care of us. And, and that's, that's kind of where we are as a family, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is. That's pretty. That's beautiful. All right. Well, thank you, Larry. We appreciate thank it. Thank you. If you see Larry, give him a hug. <laughs> All right, everybody. Until um, next time, this is Noisy Narratives Out. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Life can be amazing